This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience. Today I have with me Jason Wasser. He's the founder of the Family Room Wellness Associates. Thank you for joining me today. Roman, it is a pleasure to be hanging out with you after we just met a few weeks ago at the podcast conference. Glad to have you on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to uh, where you are now? So before I tell you where I got to now, let me share a little bit about what I believe. And as a therapist and coach, I believe that every young professional, every family, every entrepreneur should have a therapist in their life to help them go from stress to potential. And years ago, before I even decided to get into this crazy game of sitting with people all day and handling their 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 chaos and their family drama and their life stuff. Um, I was the person growing up having to go to therapy uh, because of my parents' uh, divorce. And I realized looking back that what I wanted from my therapist is something that I never got, which instead of just sitting there and just debriefing about my day or complaining about the things that were bothering me, it never focused on strategy or tools and solutions to take it to the next level. No, that's awesome. And uh, what were you doing prior to getting into uh, therapy? Were you on a different track or how did you uh, kind of end up making that leap? So before I was a therapist, I was kind of an informal therapist. I was professionally working full time uh, in the Jewish community doing nonprofit and informal educational programs. So what that means is that let's say you're a college student and you go to a, a major or significant university, most likely they're going to have something on campus called a Hillel or a Jewish student union. And um, one year before I went to graduate school, I was working at Princeton University's Center for Jewish Life Hillel. Um, and before that, I was working with different youth groups, uh, both in synagogues or Jewish community centers um, that were sponsored by the community organizations and doing programming direct service to children, uh, teenagers. So that whole time I was doing a lot of informal therapy and counseling and coaching, but I didn't have the degree and I didn't really have the training. Um, but I was really day to day involved with you know my students and my you know in their life. No, that's great. So what uh, what motivates you to succeed on a uh, personal level? That's an amazing question. I don't know if it's one thing that motivates me to succeed, but I think one of the drives that I do have, which I'm sure everybody goes through, is the not being enough. And maybe for me, it was the underachiever. So a little bit about my personal background, which makes my story of what I'm doing even more fun for me and hopefully powerful for my clients is that I graduated high school with a 1.8 GPA. And I was not a good student, not because I didn't care or not because I was a bad, uh, I wasn't a bad kid. I just had so much chaos going on in my life that I never saw 
my potential or purpose in the world at that time. So I think as I evolved and grew and started becoming more self-aware, doing my own therapy, uh, going down the rabbit hole with a lot of integrative nutrition or alternative medicine modalities for emotions, uh, some of which I practice now in my practice, I think that gave me the motivation to really see the glimpses and beginnings of what I'm truly capable of if I get past the chaos that's been in my life. Yeah, I think everyone has a, a certain level of that. Obviously, some people more traumatic than others. And, you know, the ultimate choice is uh, taking that first leap to uh, change that and move forward in the right direction. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of people have the fear factor, whether it's time or whether it's money, which unfortunately is the most common um, complaint that people say that they don't have the, that those two things but money sometimes really rules it all out so I like making the joke with people that um, when they call and I ask them playfully and um, I share that I'm gonna say I'm gonna ask you a question playfully um, so don't take it personally but do you have an iPhone or an Android and they'll answer you know one or the other so let's say it's an iPhone that they say and I'll go, okay, so when you went into, you know, the Apple store or Best Buy or whatever the phone company that you, you know, your carrier, did you negotiate with them or did you just plunk down your credit card and say, I have to have this? And they'll say, nope, that's pretty much what I did. And I'm like, okay, so why aren't you doing that for yourself, for your self-care and your self-love? No, I agree. I think it's very important that people uh, spend a lot of money on, um, a lot of material things, especially in, you know, the Western culture where they can be uh, reinvesting it or sometimes it's tough for them to, let's say, you know, spend a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars on some kind of self-improvement or some kind of network that may, you know, propel them to where they want to be in their career versus buying, uh, you know, a fancy watch where it's kind of like uh, instant gratification. Sure. And people can have both. I'm not judging people who do decide. And I know you're not as well knowing you. Right. But it's, it's, it's again, what are you deciding are your priorities? So when a couple comes to me and they say we want to have the best marriage ever, I'll ask them the following questions. So what books have you read on, you know, making a relationship work or relationship skills or relationship tools? And, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, they'll read maybe one or two books. But on average, it's like, no, nah, I haven't read anything. Okay. Uh, YouTube videos, how much time have you spent watching any free YouTube videos? You know, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, these little clips that are out there uh, floating through the internet. And, you know, the average will be none, right? I haven't spent any time doing that. Okay, uh, talks with a spiritual leader or a guide or previous therapy. Nope, never talked to our guru, imam, rabbi, priest, pastor, nothing. Okay, so you're telling me you want to have an amazing relationship and you've done absolutely no effort to put into it, it's kind of like going to the gym and walking in the gym expecting your six pack to just show up. So what I'm challenging people out there to do is that if you do want something and you say it's a priority, what are the action steps that you're willing to do in order to align your goal with what actually is happening in your day-to-day -day life? And again, it's okay, go buy that watch. It's okay, go, go take that vacation, but you wanna know what you're coming home to you know, to take you to have those things at the end of the day, such as a healthy life, a healthy family, a healthy business, healthy children, healthy uh, morals and ethics, all those different things. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, oftentimes people go to different kind of professionals looking for them to uh, solve their problems where that individual really is kind of a guide to help them 
you know, find it within themselves and get to the uh, end result that they're hopefully looking for. Right. And I also find, which is really interesting that you just talked about the end result. I find that a lot of people lack clarity on what that actually is. So they might say, well, I want X, right? And I'm like, okay, well, can you break that down for me in a crystal clear image as if it's standing right in front of you? And unfortunately, people aren't able to do that, which means it's going to be radically difficult to get to their goal. So one of the things I do with them as a therapist and a coach, whether they're in my office or I'm working with them online, is to have that crystal clear clarity on what that looks like, what that feels like, what comes up when they, right, what other people might even be upset about if that happened for them, right? If they're getting something good, who might be triggered and bothered by the fact that you're finally getting what you think you might want or deserve? And I work with them around all of those things because I'm really conscious about finding the hidden traps and triggers that keep people from getting what they want out of their life. Yeah, I agree. I think it's that much harder in, you know, personal life business where you are hazy about kind of what your goal is. So you're never going to put together, a, you know, an adequate plan that kind of uh, takes advantage of everything if you don't know kind of the final destination. 100% agreed. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people from reaching their goals and the idea that then they get stuck multitasking on too many things at once and then, right, nothing really gets done. And I'm, and I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm studying more and more neuroscience on this, is that are we truly meant to be multitaskers? And I know, um, was it Keller from Keller Williams, the uh, Gary Keller, I believe it is, wrote that book, The One Thing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No, so uh, can you explain that to the audience? Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm a newbie to it as well. I've heard about the idea for a while, um, but I just started listening to uh, the podcast from uh, the person who works for Keller Williams, who leads this org- this community. But the one thing is kind of what is that singular granular goal that you want to tackle? And to the exclusion of everything else that you want to be doing, you block time out in your day to make that the priority so if you're saying you want to get your health better are you blocking that out as the highest priority in your calendar on a daily basis and then working everything else around it if you need to be doing cold calls because you need to get a sales number in by the end of the month are you blocking out a time where you're not checking the internet you're not on your phone in front of you checking instagram you're not sending text messages but you're just nailing and drilling out cold call after cold call after cold call to connect those leads and then scheduling everything else around that so they're very big in this idea of time blocking and you can plug in everything. And the whole idea is not to have every single part of your calendar filled up because they say you have to block out downtime as well where you're not doing anything and you're just being, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. But start with that one thing that your goal is and don't jump to anything else until you complete that goal. Yeah, I mean, the only way you can do it is block out the time and that may be uh, taking time away from something else time from you know i don't obviously i'm not dismissing kind of like extracurricular activities because i think everybody needs something Mm -hmm. to uh, distress or get away and you know regroup but uh if you're watching or trying to binge you know netflix show whereas like if you get home from your full-time job and you're looking to get into something else you dedicate that hour or two and put it like you said on your schedule and live up to it eventually you're going to get somewhere regardless if it's to your end result or closer to it, but you will move forward. Sure, and, and, and to tackle that on a higher level, I think that the action steps, the step-by-step recipe 
in order to get that bigger goal that you were just talking about, people again, aren't so clear on. So like for, for example, right now, some of the things I'm going through is juggling uh, my new podcast, You Winning Life, and using that not only as a way to share information like you are to your community, uh, but also as, as, a, as a marketing platform to have people know about me that don't typically already know about me. But I also know that I need to knock on doors and do calls to local people in my community to A, remind them that I exist, the people who know me, but B, people who don't know me but would be a really good referral source for my practice and my associates here. And I can't just assume that my passive marketing tactics, Facebook, Instagram, social media, and my podcast are gonna automatically make someone pick up the phone to call me to be a new client when sometimes they need to be directly in front of me face to face. So we have to figure out like what are the highest priority, you know, goals, but also are our action steps really crystal clear and are they going to get us the outcome that we truly desire or are we just barking up the wrong tree? I agree. I think that's a good point also because in marketing, there's kind of a strategy push versus pull. Well, in terms of your personal life and other things like the goals you're trying to reach, if you're going to set up positions or things, you know, you know, get things out there that are passive. Um, so more, more so, you know, pushing a message or you're going in physically, like you said, knocking on doors, making calls. And I think it's a, it's a mix of both. Yeah, completely. And everything goes back to the right to the human relationship, because at the end of the day, no matter if you're, even if you're selling a product, you're still selling the relationship. And I know you and I are both in very strong relationship driven businesses and platforms, but at the end of the day, it's still based on your reputation and the desire that they wanted to work with me and you, right? Yep. And the, the reputation is, you know, key. So if there's you and there's five other people doing something similar to where, where you're doing, you know, what is that differentiator? Um, you know, obviously your body of work, how you have helped people and then that emotional connection, you have to connect with that individual, that individual, uh, user, kind of the um, modern omni-channel marketing approach where you're targeting each user individually and what they're looking for in terms of pain points versus kind of a, a bigger audience and hopefully something sticks or resonates with one person. Yeah. And I think if you took it to the, you know, to go a little bit deeper on that is how are you going to be the best person to solve that problem? And Maybe in that conversation with the person you're trying to, so to speak, sell or convince that they should partner with you and, and, and working together is how do you become the person to identify problems that they didn't even know they had that you can also handle as well? Yep. Come kind of to the, the root of the problem. So it may be one thing, but there may be uh, underlying issues. Exactly. So I'm a pattern interrupter. My, my job as a therapist and a coach is to help people find the underlining beliefs and assumptions that are holding them stuck in different aspects of their life, be it personally, professionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. But I'm always looking for how they show up in one area. Are they showing up the same way in a different area? So that pattern is going to show up everywhere. And once I'm able to help them identify it, we can start making radical changes in different aspects of their life. I agree. So what's one thing that you've seen as a weakness in yourself that you ended up turning into a strength and utilize today? So I think off the bat, 
one of the things that I realized about myself when it came to the business side um, of running a business and owning a practice is the idea of investing into myself. Um, what that means is not just I'm not talking about financially, but also being willing to close my practice and do some self-care days and be okay if my clients give me crap. So and I'm sure the idea out there for the average therapist is like, no, they work 365 days a year. They don't take days off. They're available on the weekends. They're on call to you. But the real healthy paradigm should be blocking out in advance quarterly and annual vacation days and then letting everybody know that it's it's non-negotiable so i take it to the next level now where i didn't at the beginning of my practice is that i share this with my clients when we first start working and if it's not okay with them i don't continue working with them if they're the type of client that needs to be around a therapist that they're always in crisis I'm not that type of therapist, so I'm not going to take them. So I don't do crisis counseling. So if we are in agreement with what their needs are and my needs in order to serve them better, then we will continue working together and it'll be a really amazing partnership. So I think those that, that the challenges um, or the way that I would challenge people who are listening is to find out what the agreements that they first want to make with themselves, right? So right now I take a minimum of six weeks uh, of vacation throughout the year and it's not all at once so it could be a week here a week here, a week there you know a middle of the week for a you know for a workshop but i count that all towards work vacations and that's outside of um, the handful of days september october where my office is closed for all of the major jewish holidays and i don't count that towards the days off of self-care that's my spiritual days very different than other days. So I have a combined five to six weeks, not including those days throughout the year where I don't work. Nice. You're on the uh, European vacation schedule. Yeah. It's, 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 it's when it's, when it's scheduled out. Right. So I know, and I get that helps with uh, commitment to rhythms and rituals. Um, there was a last minute conference. I have a buddy of mine. I'll give him a shout out. Evan Stewart um, of, of the obsessed coaching and um, really incredible buddy of mine. So he put together a day long conference about a month ago in Dallas and a week before I won a VIP ticket. So I get the call and he's like, so can you get out here on a plane before I give the ticket away to somebody else? And within five hours, I booked my flight. I called some friends in Dallas and I emailed all my clients from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because, you know, I'm going to make a weekend out of it. And I'm like, listen, I would be an awful therapist to you if I didn't do self-care days that I didn't even know were expected. So are we okay with rescheduling for the next week? Because I know you're not dealing with anything massive. Um, or would you be open if you really want to not push it for a week off? Would you be open to doing a video session? So everybody was totally cool. They're like, no, no, no. They're like, we would be upset if you didn't go. Like that was the most common thing. Like go have a great time. It's gonna be amazing. We want to hear about it when you get back. So I invite my clients to be part of my culture of personal growth because they know I'm talking about, right, the podcast conference. They know that I'm going to be talking about the people I meet, such as you, to use these as metaphors and stories to inspire them to get a better life. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important that uh, self-care aspect, especially in kind of uh, being an entrepreneur or starting a, a company, founding a company, because oftentimes the the founders, the entrepreneurs have, you know, high levels of depression and burnout and oftentimes leading to suicide. So that kind of self-care and that kind of mindset where it's okay to take a day off and even 
working, you don't have to work 20 hours uh, a day to get to your goal. If you're working, you know, let's say 10, eight, six, but they're productive hours, you can still attain the same result without, you know, destroying your health and, uh, you know, sanity. Agreed. And that's why the entrepreneur coaches that I work with um, talk about starting with the end in mind, right? A lot of people go into building a business or into a relationship kind of like, well, I'll figure it out as I go, right? If they're dating is a great example. It's kind of like, well, if they turn out to be the right one, then maybe I'll decide to get more serious. Even though, you know, like I say, I want to get married and I say, I want to find somebody, but they're really hesitant or they're not all in. Um, and it's the same way about starting a business. They kind of start like, well, here's what I can afford. So I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to be Superman or Superwoman, right? And and therefore, they never really get past letting go of having to take on everything themselves. And at this point, and one of the things that I think I've learned from where I started to where I am now is how do I leverage out as much as possible because I want the idea of what my practice is now to not be the same practice that I started a bunch of years ago. I agree. Uh, like you said before, that kind of end result and seeing uh, where you want to be. And I think I, I make kind of like that uh, manifesting that also. So kind of reminding yourself, talking it into existence, creating possibly like a vision board and then looking and understanding the steps to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that idea of a vision board and I wish more people uh, would do that. Do you, have you talked about that on a previous episode? I may have with uh, other coaches and uh, mental health professionals where it does help and mentally it puts you uh, more in kind of the, the, the right mindset and kind of positioning it where it's not only an idea in your mind, but you're talking about it, you're seeing it every day and you're seeing the steps you need to take. Yeah. Well, in the if you want to explain it from a neurological perspective, you know, when you feel your way to something that you want is very different than just thinking about it because emotions physiologically really run throughout your entire body. So, um, for example, the other day, um, and I've been sharing this, this story with my clients about how to get into problem solving and why our beliefs are typically what keeps us stuck in solving a problem is that I'm deciding in which direction I want to go to upgrade my equipment for the podcast. And I know that there are really two specific uh, technical things that I can buy and they both cost about the same. And my fear is that if I pick one, there's going to be a time in the near future where I'm going to be like, oh man, I really should have bought the other one. So I'm like, what do I do? And I'm sitting here and I'm doing research on this one for an hour and a half. And then I'm doing research on the other one. And I'm like, God, they're both good. And they both solve a lot of problems, but they don't all do both. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to really solve this problem? So what do you think? And I'm going to challenge you because I've been asking this to everybody. And so far, only one person has said the answer that I came up with. What would be the one thing that would solve the problem for me? Just making a decision, picking one over the other. So that would, right, that would be the most obvious thing. And that's what's keeping me stuck because then I'm going to go back to, but how do I know it's the right decision? I'm not an expert and people know more than me. And when is if I need this down the road and I made the right, right? So that keeps me back in that feedback loop of that negative doubt. The problem that needs to be solved is not the 600 or $800 on, on, on deciding which one I want. The problem that needs to be solved is where do I get $1,600? Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? Yep. 
because then there's no problem. So the problem really is not about the product. The, pro the problem, if I really check out the pattern and I understood myself and I know myself really well, it's really not about picking the wrong product. It's about, am I spending my money on something that's gonna give me the value that I really need and what I want? So the product is not the problem. It's the value of what I'm looking for and the amount of money I'm willing to spend on it for me, that's the problem. So the problem is really not 600 or $800. It's really $1,200 to $1,600. So my goal and my way to solve this problem is to figure out where am I going to find that $1,600 box. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great way of looking at it. Most people don't kind of uh, peel back the layers to that uh, underlying uh, issue to get you through to making a decision. And that's exactly my goal and hope for people that I'm working with as a therapist and as a coach is that. You know, the idea, and this is one of my favorite things that I love sharing from my graduate school education, is this concept that the problem is not the problem. It's the belief about the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Oh, so you're asking a therapist to distill everything he knows down to one thing. So that's, it's, it's, uh, that's a tough one. But I think the, at the end of the day, it all goes back to what are you willing to do to invest in yourself? And I mean that both physically, right? Going to the gym, eating healthy, getting rid of the, the junk food and the high fructose corn syrup. And, you know, and there's so much research out there on just what's going on with food production these days that it's just not a debate anymore. It's just a choice of people willing to take that step or not. So I think going all in on yourself because the product that you're putting out in the world depends on that. So if you're a salesperson, you know, I was at a, a workshop about a month ago, a few months ago, and the person was trying to get me to, you know, they kept asking me, why aren't you committing all in to the next level workshop? But the person who was standing in front of me was easily 150, 200 pounds overweight. And I wanted to turn the question on over him. It's like, well, you're, this thing that you're trying to get me to join and commit to is all about mind, body, spirit, commitment. And as far as I've seen on your social media, you haven't got all in. So it's kind of like this idea of, um, I think this is a Grant Cardone story where someone was trying to sell him an aftermarket package for a car he was buying and he turns to the salesman and goes, do you have this for your car? And the guy said, no. And Grant goes to him, well, why would I wanna buy it then if you don't even have it and you're selling it to me? So I think that you have to realize, we have to realize, everybody out there has to realize we're the ultimate product. And we have to be living that which we want to put out into the world. And the best way to do that is by investing in yourself through therapy, through coaching. Yep. Practicing what you preach. Agreed. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Absolutely. So the best way to get me through my social media would be on Instagram or Facebook. And that would be Jason Wasser, W-A-S-S-E-R-L-M-F-T, which stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Again, that's Jason Wasser, L-M-F-T. Um, you can also check me out on my website, uh, which is www.emotionalallergies.com. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Dude, it's my complete total pleasure to hang out with you. I wish it was back in person again as we uh, had a really great time when we hung out a few weeks ago.
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.